Podcast. This is Josh Heiser here with James Prophet, and we've got some special guests today, our own merry little band of scruffy nerf herders. And instead of talking wrestling tonight, we're going to talk Star Wars. Josh, are you ready? Wait, we're talking about Star Wars? Yeah, sorry, I didn't tell you about that. I have a list of my favorite Coco Beware moments. Is that the wrong <laughs> episode? We agreed we were not going to do that five-part series till next year. Oh, the anniversary? Got it, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, right. um, let's go round the table. Uh, alphabetical order. First up, massive Star Wars fan, amazing friend of the podcast, and one of the guys that uh, really was encouraging when we got this off the ground. Bill, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited to be here. All right, next up on the list, Josh's brother. Josh, you want to do the honors here? Yeah, this is Joe. <laughs> My, that was a good hey intro. Guys, I'm the one that's I'm the one that's going to sound just like Josh because we are identical twins. Um, huge fan of Star Wars ever since I can remember. I, I love the Wrath of Khan. I love all that good stuff. Is it true that you guys are conjoined twins? <laughs> yeah, the just coronavirus the really making it hard for that though. <laughs> We're trying to get six feet, but. (laughs) Our final guest, uh, another, by the way, Joe is a great friend of the podcast. Our final is another great friend of the podcast. Another guy that was really encouraging when we got it off the ground. He was there for the conversation that launched this and we've all known him forever and love him. Nick, how you doing, man? Shut up, James. You shut your poor <laughs> mouth right now. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. <sighs> All right. So, Josh, you want to run down what we're doing, man? Sure. So, since we are uh, all stuck in our houses and James and I can't be in the same room recording, we thought it'd be fun to get us all together on a Skype call. We're old, so we're doing the best we can with this. Hopefully this works. But our idea was to... After the last Star Wars movie, we just talked about how much we love all the movies, and we wanted to do a top ten or top five, whatever, of our favorite movies from Star Wars movies. So that would be episodes one through nine and Rogue One and Solo. And I think that's it, right? That's all of them. Uh Bill, Nick, Joe, nobody picked anything from the Ewok movie, right? There is I was, I was right? tempted I was tempted to uh, pick out the fact that Wilford Brimley is the only Star Wars character that wears corrective eyewear as seen in uh, the Ewok movie Battle for Endor. Yeah, so I figured that would be, uh, you know, that would kind of ruin the top 10 for everybody, because after you see Wilford Brimley living in a tree trunk with some sort of insane, <laughs> fast moving wood rat eating muffins, uh, there really is no better moment in Star Wars than than seeing that. I mean, he's uh, he, he's pretty badass, I think, if you say that. I'm kind of surprised they haven't done a Black Series figure for him yet. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Why has it got to be a black series? 
<laughs> yeah, Bill, we're all woke here. Let's stop this. <laughs> this is a woke podcast, okay? <laughs> With okay, apologies oh, oh. to Wilfred Brimley and his family if they heard that. We're sorry. We didn't know he was going to say that. Just, yeah. 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 We talk about wrestling and nothing racist ever happens in the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wilfred's got the diabetes. Okay, Leave on. him out Come of on, this. Guys. Let's move on. <laughs> Okay, right. so ahead, what we're going to do here, you want to, yeah, lay it out, lay it out. Man. Can I give a quick preface? Yes, please. Okay, so, and everybody correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like, at least for Josh and I, growing up, You're we, wrong. Were not, <laughs> we were not huge Star Wars people, so I will be Get out. Um, deferring to Bill, the expert, on some of these names, places, people movies, things like such as. Bill, I think he just called you King Nerd. Just on this topic. I mean, if you were doing, um, you know, Dumb and Dumber quotes, Josh now would be King Nerd. So. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And, uh, and, and just for backup, I have my character encyclopedia, Guide to Essential, uh, Essential Guide to Alien Species, and the complete visual dictionary that does not, unfortunately, include 789. So 789, I'm going to be lacking on some of the names. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate that deferment. Yeah, I because I grew up with this nonstop. I mean, it was all <clears throat> it was all because of my sister. She was into it. I mean, she saw New Hope in theaters, and because of her. Uh, we watched it nonstop, and um, I grew up on Jedi. I mean, that was mine um, through and through. So, yeah. Would you so, say that was like your religion? My, are you saying like uh, like hokey religions and sorcerers' ways? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, Mr. McFarlane, are you saying this is an open book test? An open book test? Yeah, for me, there's going to. I mean, if you're going to ask me how many moons a planet has, I'm going to have to look that up because. Uh, I am not a virgin, and I don't have that information. <laughs> I don't know that how many there are is going to come up in favorite moments, but I do have one piece of trivia that I memorized, which is that when he uh, accepted the role as Poe, Oscar Isaac requested to have Yavin Four as his home planet, his character's home planet, because Ooh, he is from Guatemala, and that's where the original Yavin Four scenes were shot. I Boom. did not know that. That's pretty cool. Very That's cool. That's just because I know all of the Oscar Isaac trivia. So, Bill, you sort of mentioned that you grew up with this. I was kind of wanting to go around our table here, our metaphorical table, and yeah. ask like what everybody's attack, emotional attachment was with Star Wars and when it happened. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can go first. So mine, uh, it was just a cool way of connecting with my sister and watching them on VHS over and over again. Um, and just, you know, that was, that was the thing that we did. I mean, that was the big thing that we connected over and, and we still have that connection, you know, with, with our love of star Wars. So like, you know, playing with the figures and she had all the old Kenner figures that I eventually took from her, you know, bit by bit. And, you know, and we played with those. And, and so that, that was really mine, just that connection with her and just, you know, watching them over and over again and just being fascinated by everything about it. And I don't want to go too far into it because that will start giving away, like, moments and everything. But, yeah, that's that's mine. Josh, what about you, man? 
Um, so yeah, we did not really grow up loving Star Wars. My brother, Joe, um, did like it more than I did. I think he got into it in the prequels. Uh, I remember thinking, not realizing how big of a cultural impact it had. It was just kind of like a movie that we never really watched. And I remember saying in college that the Matrix trilogy was going to outlast the Star Wars <laughs> saga because I just liked it more. And, uh, yeah, I was a big, dumb idiot. So I, like Bill said, do not want to go into it too much because it goes into one of my top moments. But <clears throat> my wife is a big Star Wars fan. And um, sh so she would watch them periodically throughout our marriage and, one year I fell, fell in love with Star Wars, and then I kind of, of course, like I do, I can't do anything, like, just barely. So I just w hardcore watched all of them over and over and became obsessed. So, yeah, tried to get was my it a certain kid into it. And, uh, yeah, but I'm not going to talk about it right now, James, all right? You're going to okay. spoil it. Okay. <laughs> Stop pressuring way, that, that Matrix prediction. <laughs> The Matrix prediction that you made could still happen because the fourth Matrix movie is coming out this know. year. It could be a nine movie saga just like this, you know. We'll be talking about the, our favorite Matrix moments in ten years. <laughs> All right, Nick, what about you, man? I suspect by the time you get done eating that cookie, you'll feel right as rain. <laughs> so with me, unlike Bill, I don't have any kind of familial... Familial? Yeah. Family connection. Um, but um, I, as three of you all did, grew up in the days of uh, big blockbuster movies being played on TV during the summer and on the weekends. And so that is how I discovered Star Wars was through TV. Edits and all. But, I mean, obviously there wasn't that many edits to Star Wars. But so Star Wars holds a place in my heart similar to Indiana Jones and Ghostbusters just because of discovering them through through TV and through the joys of VHS rental. Back in the days when we would rent a VCR and a tape and take it home, and it was awesome. So yeah, that was Star Wars was a big one to me then, so it was just very gritty and very different than the cartoons and whatnot that I would see on Saturday mornings. So it just kind of grabbed hold of me and never let go. All right, Joe, let's hear it, man. So <clears throat> being identical twins, it's pretty similar. But I will say that uh, just for actual timeline purposes, we never uh, – Josh, correct me if I'm wrong – we never saw a single Star Wars movie until Phantom Menace, which we saw <clears throat> in the theater with Joe Brown. And yeah. And so, yeah. Um, that hurts me. <laughs> to be clear, Josh and I are, what, 10, 15 years younger? So, <laughs> I mean, that explains kind of the distance between. So the, you're 15 years old. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> 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 I was not told I'd be working with a minor. I would like to change my contract. You've said that before, haven't you? Um, so anyway. Many times. So yeah, um, I remember I became obsessed with Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, ironically, 
Um, and I had this like box set version, deluxe version of the VHS. And it had an actual piece of film from one of the movies. Uh, we saw Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith in the theater, probably with Joe Brown, our friend. Um, but when we're in college, I remember specifically Josh and I would hang out with uh, Keith Richter. Shout out to Keith. And when he found out that we had never seen Star Wars, the, the original trilogy, we watched them all kind of in a row. So um, then, you know, obviously the newer ones. So uh, I wouldn't say I'm obsessed. I kind of go in waves where I'm really, really, really into it. And I set up all my figures and then I'm kind of bored with it for a while. So um, not just kind of that as a, a caveat. It's not my all time favorite or anything, but I do enjoy it quite a bit. Okay. Very cool. All right. As for me, um, first time getting exposed was, I think I was like six years old and a friend of mine really liked return of the Jedi. So he showed me that and I saw that in empire. And I think the original, but the, Again, pro wrestling was always my dork thing. So that's sort of where my obsession was. So I had sort of like this uh, generic appreciation for the Star Wars movies. And then I got to college and um, I'm a 40 year old man. And so that was right when I was in college was when episode one was coming out. First Star Wars movie in was it 15 years at that point? Oh, man, that's a good question. I don't know. Off the top of my head. Yeah. But like, longer than that probably I, 20 I, I would i don't know maybe yeah but um i was friends with uh bill i was friends with nick at that point so this is freshman year and i just remember maybe it's from being around bill so much but like there was such a buzz about this new star wars movie coming out and i got caught up in the excitement and so i saw it in theaters like like three times or something like that just because not because I thought it was like this amazing movie. I didn't hate it or anything, but it definitely was like this cultural phenomenon. It really was, you know, if you didn't live through that. And so saw episode two in theaters, saw three in theaters. I, again, I kind of, I, I appreciated the movies, uh, you know, the new ones. I wasn't the biggest fan of one or two episode one, episode two, but when I really fell in love with it was, just i think this year um the last year so i loved episode seven went out and bought that on blu-ray right away i really liked episode eight and bill is the master star wars fan he um it took me a while to understand why people didn't like it and i get it now but bill you said you've come around on eight some right yeah i i appreciate eight more now because of nine like nine helped me appreciate eight a little bit better Okay, and nine yeah. is what did it for me. Like, I loved it, seven, I loved eight, but I have this thing with trilogies where <laughs> I think it's so rare for a third movie to really stick the landing. And I loved episode nine. I thought it really stick the landing. It gave me exactly what I was wanting out of the movie. And so that's when I sort of like had the okay, this is all awesome. And right now I am about a movie and a half away from watching them again in the machete order. And that's been a blast. So that for me, it's been recent. I've, I really loved the most recent trilogy and you'll see on my list. Most of them are from the most recent trilogy. Oh, cool. So to add to that, James, two quick things. 
One, did not know there was a Danny Trejo cut. I should check that out. Second of all, um, that was a machete joke. I was oh, laughing. Uh, I was on, uh, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, we should have a kind of judgment-free zone, I think, from here uh, on out when we get to the actual top ten because most of my – I had to really stretch to put some old ones in there. Uh, but at the end of the day, I felt like it was more important to be honest than to force ones in there, you know? So, Did you say force the, them in there? Yeah, I, I used the force to, to make Dude. my list. <laughs> or, or, or don't I see, you mean, yeah, so as we... James said earlier, Jedi magic? Yeah, I put some Jedi magic, <laughs> magic in there. Two All right, spoons. Snowflake, we won't, we won't judge you for your choices. Well, you know. Have we actually said what we're doing yet at any point during in this podcast? So have we just been rambling on for no yeah, apparent reason? I think I did in the beginning, yeah. We're doing top ten favorite moments from the movies. Yes. If, if you're a wrestling fan, you know you know everybody's got their favorite WrestleMania moments. Well, Mania's around the corner, but we're talking Star Wars because that just sounded like fun. I'll go first. Yeah, go for it. So... My number 10 is, okay, I feel like this might um, come up as whether or not, you know, very small moment or, like, a four-minute scene. I kind of tended to go towards the four-minute scene thing, but uh, forgive me. So my number 10 is the speeder bike chase from Return of the Jedi. Ooh, nice. So, yeah, I just think it's super fun. I'm a sucker for any of the uh, Stormtrooper... um, what is it? <laughs> Costume, armor, whatever. Um, and I love the speeder bike dudes. Uh, I watched, biker scouts. Yeah, the biker scouts. I watched it again. Thank uh, you, Bill. The, and the uh, special effects are terrible. Um, but it's still super fun. And there's also no way in hell that they're not going to smash into like 12 trees. Uh, but it's fun. Like I said, it's just basically like a car chase and all the, the fun of that from like an action movie but you're in space on speeder bikes in a forest so that's my number 10 it is super cool awesome i i was just watching return of the jedi a couple nights ago and watching that scene and thinking how awesome it was in the combination of the live action and a lot of those shots are of puppets that they made and how they filmed it using a steady cam and I was thinking about how cool that was, and then also thinking about how <laughs> that scene is awesome, but those bikes in that territory makes no sense at right. all. I know. That they're going insanely fast through what, the most densely was, packed forest ever. <laughs> they're just asking was, for it. <laughs> what I was telling myself when I was watching is that these bikes are so like futuristic that they can sense, you know, it's like self-driving cars, like they can sense where all the stuff is, so they're weaving in and out uh, on their own. Good yeah, well, fake logic. Well, yeah. uh, well, there's that scene where they're first chasing each other that's amazing, where the one biker scout dude keeps looking backwards, and I'm just like, that is the worst, like, you know he wrecks, like, you've, you've right. seen it a hundred times, I'm like, that's the worst idea to take your eyes off the proverbial road or whatever. And that's the dude who runs into the upturned tree roots, like head off because he's facing backwards again. It's just like, 
Maybe this is the Empire's way of just, like, weeding out the B-Squad of Biker Scouts. It was like, <laughs> yeah, send them to Endor. They suck. Like, they'll just wreck into stuff and <laughs> save us a hassle. Even still, the troopers were still better drivers than they were shots. True. Although, everyone craps all over the, um, like, the armor design of the Return of the Jedi Stormtroopers. And yet, those are the only Stormtroopers that end up hitting anything. The one hits R2 and the other one hits Leia. So it kind of makes sense when the Emperor said that they were his elite squadron because they actually hit something. Man, two out of a hundred shots. That's good for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll go next since I'm the twin. Um, you can try to get How many times are we going to mention that? Uh, well, you guys are twins. Okay. This is a wrestling podcast, so we kind of have to call it Twin Magic, like the Bellas. Are you guys cool with being compared to the Bella Twins? As long as I'm there. Josh and Joe are hotter. <laughs> All right, so my number 10 is the first look of the, and I looked this up, the Voltuses on the, on the world of Crate in Episode 8. No. Yes, Episode 8. So these are the crystal-looking fox creatures. Oh, um, cool. Something about Oh, those that, are awesome, yeah. Yeah, something that I think that the, the three of you that kind of relatively grew up with Star Wars probably felt when you saw certain kind of foreign worlds that are not anything like what you've seen before, either in movies or um, real life. That really captured my imagination, both the red minerals, the, the sand or whatever, um, as well as the really cool quick foxes that dart around and they're, they're crystal looking. It just really uh, captures the kind of possibilities <coughs> of Star Wars in terms of um, world building. So that's my number 10. Cool. <clears throat> All right, I'll go. All right, my number 10 um, is when... <clears throat> the first time Han Solo meets Lando Calrissian in Solo. Can I ask you a question, Captain Calrissian? Anything, Han. It's Han, but that's okay. I heard a uh, story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. So what I love about that scene is it captures what I loved about Star Wars when I was a kid, and it was always the monsters, it was always the creatures, and it was always the aliens. So in that scene in Solo, when they're in that cantina, <clears throat> and he walks up to the, the table, and Lando Calrissian is surrounded by all these this really flipping awesome, weird-looking aliens and monsters. I mean, one of them is this giant crayfish lobster thing, and, like, his name is Lobster Clawson. I don't know, some weird, like, not creative at all, but yet awesome name for his character. And it just made me so happy to see that again in a newer Star Wars movie because it just reminded me so much of what I loved about Star Wars when I was a kid and all the way through um, up until now, even as an adult seeing that in Solo. I'm like, okay, that is the best scene of the whole movie. Whatever else happens may be great, but this right now I know is the best scene because there's a giant lobster playing cards with Lando Calrissian, and I love it. 
and Donald Glover's in it. So one of my moments was almost just Donald Glover playing Lando, like on the whole, because he killed it so much. Oh, yeah. that have not been more perfect casting. Nope. All right, Nick, number ten, man. So my number ten, as much as I crap on them, was actually from the prequels. So I have two of them in this list, strangely enough. My number 10 was Yoda versus Count Dooku in Clone Wars. Nice. Because as um, one of the twins so <laughs> uh, kindly mentioned, that three of us are old and grew up with this. Um, so all this time we've been waiting to see Yoda do his thing. Much to learn you still have. It is obvious that this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the Force. But by our skills with a lightsaber. We all grew up knowing Yoda as just this old crotchety little green thing that spoke cool and was really wise and all this stuff. But, you know, you see him hobbling in on his cane. Dooku's there. You already know that he's a badass, and you're about to see it, but you don't expect what's getting ready to come from Yoda. So Yoda just starts jumping like crazy across the room and flipping and spinning, and yeah, it was corny and cheesy, but that's what we'd been waiting for. It's like you wanted to see Yoda beat the crap out of somebody, and he didn't. Because Dooku matched him evenly, but you got to see what would have happened if Yoda was... I mean, shoot, if Yoda was up against, like, a stormtrooper and did that, dude wouldn't have lasted, like, half a second. I mean, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And you already took Obi-Wan and Anakin out of the equation, so there was no chance of, oh, well, they're going to step in and save him because he's old. No, Yoda handled his crap. I mean, it was oh, it's glorious. It was glorious. <laughs> do, do you mind if I jump in and add on something to that? Do it. Okay. So what you said, like, I, I, when I was thinking about these moments, a lot of prequel moments came up on my list. And and Nick, when you were saying that we grew up with this and knew bits and pieces of the story. And then finally being able to see the story that we grew up with. That's why a lot of prequel moments ended up on my list because it was something that. That, that we grew up hearing about. Yeah. And the movie as a whole wasn't as good as, you know, the, the Holy trilogy, you know, whatever, but it's still flipping awesome to be able to see this thing that we've been wanting to see for so many years, you know? Oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, going back and watching it like today, which I mean, honestly, I haven't seen episode two or three for years because I'll say, okay, I'm going to watch the original trilogy and I'll hit episode one and be like, oh, this is so bad. And I'll just stop. But just from the most recent time of seeing it, like, yeah, the it's not the greatest graphics and whatever, but just the act of what's happening. And there's another scene that I'll go into later that kind of is similar to this. I was just waiting my whole life to see Yoda beat the ever-loving crap out of somebody. But yet he was evenly matched, so that made it even better. 
I will. I want to add on to this too. Um, I was lucky enough to catch a midnight showing of episode two on opening night. That's the only time I've ever caught a Star Wars on opening night, and the theater. Forgive me for the comparison. Lit up like it was a wrestling show. So when they kind of had the stare off and the stare down, and Yoda just sort of casually pushes back his little shirt thing and reveals his lightsaber. Like the whole, how many people fit into a movie theater? Like a couple of hundred, right? Yeah. Okay. So like everybody goes like, oh. And then when he, yeah, when he draws it and it comes out, people start cheering. And then he starts doing all the flips and all that. People are, again, they're cheering the whole time. People are applauding. And when they're, when it's over, people keep applauding because they were, they were so pleased with that scene. So what you guys were saying, you know, you've waited your whole life to see this. Say what you want about the movies on the whole. But those prequels, man, they give you some really solid moments. So I think they're going to get some credit in our podcast because they really do have great moments built into every one of them. Yep. That is true. I mean, I I am unabashedly a fan of movies that are big on fan service. Like, I love comedies, action movies, sci-fi. I, I mean, unlike, you know, Josh, who, who loves the, the serious movies, and that's they have their place. They're great. But my jam is just the fan service. And that is exactly what this scene was. All right, James. What about you, homie? Okay. So my number 10. So one of the things that makes Star Wars movies so cool to me is, you know, they have so many of these, like, big adrenaline-fueled moments, right? So it's kind of a contrast when we get a moment that is significant but is a bit quieter, right? Something with like nobody yelling, no gunfire in the background, but has importance and significance, which I think is one of the things people love about a certain moment. I'm guessing we'll be talking about later, but this is another moment, perhaps less celebrated, but a really nice, quiet moment. So in the new trilogy, there's this really soft-spoken character named General Hux. (laughs) In episode nine, there's a spy leaking information, and you're trying to figure out, okay, who could the spy be? And it just sort of is something that sits in the background until this moment where I believe it's Poe and Finn get cornered by stormtroopers and General Hux, and um, they each... Uh, the stormtroopers pretty much pull guns. They have them dead to rights. And General Hux indicates that he has this. You just see Poe and Finn kind of close their eyes and grit their teeth. And then you hear two gunshots. And then very quietly and very subtly, General Hux looks at them and he whispers, I'm the spy. I'm the spy. What? You? We don't have much time. I knew it. No, you did not. <laughs> it's amazing. I love the character of General Huck so much. He's just always so in your face. And so that spot, I geeked so hard for him, like just yelling on the spot at them. Like, like he could have followed it with, You idiots, of course I am, or something. <laughs> so yeah. And then the follow up on that, where he says, I don't care if you win. I just want Kylo Ren to lose. It's like a perfect General Hux moment. So my number 10 is I'm the spy. That reveal awesome. was pretty awesome. 
Because they didn't draw it out. You know, it wasn't, you know, 45 minutes of the movie trying to figure out who it was. It was just like quick and done, moving on. So that was good. And it's right. so fit yeah. with his character, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Watching, because I've just watched seven and eight recently, um, and I mean recently, like in the last two days, the whole time, anytime him and Kylo Ren have a scene together, they're always glaring at each other. They're always rolling their eyes at each other. They really hate each other. And they build that the whole time. So when you get this moment in the third movie, it's earned. It's not out of the blue. It's perfectly in character. So going back to the top. My number nine is um, I'm a huge robot fan and droids and all that. So any of the droids I'm a fan of in the movies. So I love in Revenge of the Sith, uh, I do love episodes two and three. Um, when R2-D2 kills uh, two super battle droids um, by catching yes. them on fire. Uh, similar to Yoda, it's basically like, you know, uh, a generally peaceful character finally getting his, his moment to shine. Um, so he's kind of surrounded on, I think it's on Jinnor Grievous's uh, ship by these two droids, and he spits out oil all over them and then uses his, like, blasters to go up into the air, setting the oil on fire and the droid, uh, the battle droids on fire. So pretty awesome. Could be <laughs> higher on my list. <laughs> but, yeah, I love it. Who went next? So <clears throat> number nine. Uh, my number nine, this is Joe, <laughs> is um, you could technically say it's two different moments in Force Awakens, um, but I'm going to use one specifically. It's Kylo throwing a tantrum. So specifically, um, nice. this is when he finds out that uh, Finn is defective. We have no confirmation, but we believe FN 2187 may have helped in the escape. <laughs> You get pretty early in the film kind of an idea of just this, as you'll hear it called all the time on the internet, this petulant child um, who has all this power but doesn't really get his way, doesn't know what to do with it. And any kind of, you know, as James mentioned, any kind of, um, what would you call it, any kind of threat to that. He, he just freaks out like a like a kid in puberty and he just throws his lightsaber all over the the uh, switchboard or whatever it is and wrecks it and you can the two stormtroopers are kind of like uh, and then they just go back the other way um, classic Kylo as uh, we get further into it it was very hard for me not to just put Kylo 10, 10 Kylo moments so <laughs> uh, big fan Awesome. All right, Bill, what do you got? All right, man. My number nine is from episode nine. That's a coincidence. I was not planning. Um, and this is the the Jedi spirits speaking to Ray to get up um, and and face the face the Emperor for the last time. Be with me. 
ever lived lives in you. The force surrounds me. Feel the force flowing through me. Let it lift you. Rise, Ray. Stand behind you, Ray. Lies in the force. In the heart of a Jedi lies her strength. Rise. Ray, the force will be with you. Always. I hesitated with that because I... That is probably, in my opinion, the best moment out of all three of the new trilogy because it's just so freaking cool. And, it, um, you know, going back to what James was saying about the, the theater's atmosphere when Yoda was attacking, it was one of those scenes that I couldn't really appreciate until after I saw the movie a second and third time because the first time... Everybody was just buzzing with so much excitement and losing it. Nobody was processing any information at that point because everybody was just losing it on how cool that scene was. But um, just the idea that they pulled in everybody, um, people from the prequels, people from the original, uh, even people, voice actors from the cartoon series that played some of the Jedi, more memorable Jedi Knights that, you know, are really only featured in the cartoon series. But the fact that they brought those in, um, into the storyline and just wrapping everything together, not just the movies, but the cartoon series as well. I thought that scene was awesome. I loved that scene, uh, but I just loved other scenes more than that. That's why it's number nine. <laughs> it is impressive because like they get every original voice actor to do just the voice of that you know like liam neeson is a voice in that right and i had yeah, heard no, this story um actually i read it it was in an interview interview harrison ford is in episode nine right han solo gets a scene yeah and so somebody set brought up like you said you never wanted to do another star wars movie again didn't you or i got the impression that you didn't want to do any more and he just kind of scoffed and he said, you try saying no to J.J. Abrams. Yeah. And, yeah, I wonder if that's just what happened. If he called all these people individually, like, hey, Freddie Prince Jr., you know that character you voiced? I want you to come in and just say, well, you know, the force is with you <laughs> real quick. Yeah. I mean, think of this. Shaggy think- is of- now a Star Wars, like, live action character. Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nick, up to you, number nine. What you got? Yeah, so um, my number nine was in the most recent trilogy. Um, as you'll see with a lot of what I have in this list is uh, very action-focused. There's a few outliers, but um, my number nine was the, uh, the Poe Dameron uh, one hell of a pilot scene from Force Awakens. Um, when this whole time you thought that Poe is dead, and then here comes the cavalry. And Finn looks up at the sky and sees this one X-Wing pilot just obliterating everything. Not just other like ships, but stormtroopers on the ground as well. And he's having fun while doing it, and he's just a badass. I don't know if he, in that moment, realizes, hey, that's Poe, but 
you have to believe that it is that that's what he's realizing and it's just the the action is beautiful the just gosh it's just such a great scene when the tease is lifted that hey Poe's not dead and here he is killing all of your guys it's amazing I love it that yeah oh my gosh yeah that scene is the classic adrenaline rush it's the shiz me right, so like that it. scene too <laughs> shut up Bill. wizard picnic very wizard Poe is very bombad <laughs> I hate you both <laughs> <laughs> my number nine empire strikes back for the first nice. time we meet yoda it's just such a cool like subversion of expectations luke's going to find this great warrior this great jedi he meets this weird little green dude and then all of a sudden yoda is just flipping out on everyone he's beating r2 with a stick i don't know i feel like <laughs> Like we're being watched. Oh, wait, but your weapon, I mean you no harm. I am wondering, why are you here? I'm looking for someone. Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. <laughs> and then he does something incredible, and Luke kind of realizes, holy crap, this is the guy. This is the guy. And again, it's a subtle scene. It's kind of a famous scene, but man, I love when they first introduce Yoda. Great character introduction. One of the best, I think, of the whole run. So, James, when I did my top ten list, my initial my initial rough draft, I, I just wrote down Yoda versus R2, and that was my number 11 on my list because I love the scene <laughs> where Yoda is just this almost senile swamp <laughs> lizard who's... Beating a robot with a stick because they're fighting over a flashlight, which is which is amazing. I love that scene. <laughs> that was great. Anytime that comedy is plugged into Star Wars, it's with the a few exceptions is gold. And this moment is comic Lisa, gold. Agree. Shut up again. <laughs> And they bring the flashlight gag like full circle in episode nine where they're underneath in the pit and Ray turns on her lightsaber to kind of light the way. And then Poe just lights up a flashlight like, come on, this does the trick, too. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Plus, I mean, who among us didn't love the Muppets? And you've got freaking Frank Oz and uh. a practical puppet as Yoda right there before you in Star Wars. And it I mean if they if it had been done in recent years and it had they introduced Yoda as CGI, he would not have the place in our hearts that he does. And oh my gosh, it was great. This is me, Josh, at number eight. So this is a long one, so I'm gonna try to pick a small moment out of it, but it's the Battle of Geonosis on from the Attack of the Clone. So I have five special commando units awaiting your order, sir. I love the part where all the Jedi show up, which is awesome. But I also am a huge, huge fan of Padme. And so just her getting uh, out of the shackles before Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan is just like a super badass. is great. So I love this whole scene. I love like war scenes when people run at each other and clash and that's in this with like lightsabers and droids and everything and it's 
freaking awesome. So that is my number eight. So, Joseph, you're next. Okay. So my number eight, um, one of the few from the old ones. Um, so it's, and actually I didn't write down what episodes, so somebody can uh, jump in, but it's when Leia strangles Jabba. Um, it's Return Jedi. Jedi. Return the Jedi. Jedi. I almost had that. Um, so apparently it's from Empire Strikes Back. And what I love about <laughs> it's Revenge of the Jedi, Joseph. You got oh, it. Oh, got it. Cool. That um, was almost one of the titles. Nice. So, so yeah, like, what I love about it is... have worked at all. They got rid of it because Jedi don't seek revenge. I'm just yep. slashing my lightsaber across the wall here. <laughs> um, hashtag sad kylo what i love about that scene or about that moment rather is and star wars has never been very uh subtle so i know this is kind of obvious but i love that she's killing her oppressor with the thing she was um being enslaved by if that's the right preposition so it, it, it actually, aside from just being super badass, um, probably gave a lot of chills to women in the audience, just like Wonder Woman gave uh, newer generations chills. Um, and it also, to me, reminds me a lot of um, the Khaleesi in Game of Thrones, um, having all of the slaves turn on their masters. So maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I just, I just love that moment. Plus, Jabba's sticking his tongue out. Pretty hilarious. <laughs> I do love that scene. <clears throat> All right, my number nine is when Kylo Ren stops Poe's blaster bolt um, in episode seven. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Just because that was so, so awesome. unexpected. And it was a use of the force that no one had ever seen before. And within that uh, fractional piece of movie, you immediately know that this guy is a complete badass in the force because no one before has been able to stop a blaster bolt in midair. And uh, to make the scene even better is when Poe is being ushered past the bolt and he's like turns and looks at it and then is brought to Kylo. It's it's amazing. I, oh, that's and, such good framing. <clears throat> yeah, and and that again, that's another moment where the audience just inhaled at the same time because everybody was excited to see that. And so that that was that was awesome. That was my number. That's my number eight. And then when Kylo Ren walks off and the blaster bolt is released. Yes. Awesome. <sighs> So my number eight was my second moment from the prequels. Um, it was the duel of the fate scene in the Phantom Menace. Whoa, uh, all the way in eight? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so, um, hey, my hate for the prequels <clears throat> runs deep. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Darth Maul is, I mean... Oh my gosh, I love Darth Maul so much. He is really one of the few things from the prequels that as soon as I even just saw him, I was just, I was over the moon. And to see him 
and Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan. Again, it's it, it's like Yoda just doing their thing. Like, just all over the place, going at each other. And then out of nowhere, you're like, oh, it's, I mean, quite, uh, granted, at the time, we didn't really know who Liam Neeson was that much, unless you'd seen British romantic comedies. But you were like, okay, this dude, he's going to be around for a while. Holy crap, he just got stabbed in the stomach. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, <laughs> wow. And Obi-Wan had to sit there and watch it from behind this like blast shield, force field thing, whatever, the whole time. And then not just watch it, but sit there and wait and wait and wait and meditate. And oh my gosh. And then as soon as the doors open, he just bolted out there. And then it wasn't like a like, straightaway kill, it, there was still a fight. But then, out of nowhere, I mean, he gets him. He gets him, and he slices him in half. And then there's this, I won't get into it now, but there's this this story from our past of me spoiling this movie for some folks and spoiling it even further. And it had to do with this scene, and that is the whole reason I don't <laughs> spoil movies now. <laughs> hey, Donnie, if you ever hear this. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody What's else have that on their list and want to talk about it now, or you want to save it? What do you think? I want to save it. Okay. I, I, yeah, I want to save it too, but Nick, I want to add on to what you just said there. This is the time I want to mention John Williams' music adds so much to the Star Wars movies. And oh that, my gosh, yes. Right. So yeah, that song, it's called Duel of the Fates, when that scene is going on, incredible. It's so mm-hmm. grippy. The fact that that scene is referred to as the duel of the fate scene, and that's the title of the song played in the background. That's, I mean, come on. That's some Keith Richter stuff right there. I think I heard the other day that like the, uh, the abandoned script for episode nine was titled Star Wars Duel of the Fates. You're not wrong. Okay. Just two hours of that scene replayed over and over again. <laughs> it would have been a I great watch movie. That. All right, James, what's your number eight? All right, my number eight. So this is my second and final moment from episode nine, although I had a few more that were um, on the nomination list. But I guess a couple more on the nomination list. But I really appreciate when Star Wars works in a bit of comedy, right? And mm-hmm. so in episode nine, there's this scene, these, this exchange of lines that I think really kind of exemplifies what the resistance really is. It's sort of just this random collection of perhaps not the most savory people all the time, but they're coming together for this cause because really screw the Dark Order or screw the Empire, you know. So it's where they go to get um, C-3PO's... Hey, James, you worked in a wrestling thing. The Dark Order is from AEW. 
The first, first order. order. Come on, nice. James. First order. I was. I, I didn't I want to uh, be a Dwight Schrute and jump in there and be like, oh, I only, actually, I only mean. did it because it was wrestling and it brought us back to our our roots. So keep going up no, there. No, yeah, absolutely. Jump in and Dwight Schrute me, man, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you really shrewded that up. Right, but whether you're going to Bears Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> It's when they're going to get C-3PO's uh, brain, or I guess his memory base red, right? Mm-hmm. And they meet one of Poe's old friends, and they're talking in front of Ray and Finn, and she casually refers to him, to him as a spice runner. And they just had this, like, really funny exchange. I saw episode nine twice. It made me laugh out loud both times. How funny he never mentioned it. Your friend's old job was running spice. You were a spice runner? You were a stormtrooper? Were you a spice runner? Were you a scavenger? We could do this all night. <laughs> and so, really love that scene. That's my number eight, is the Spice Runner Exchange. Awesome. All right. Um, my number seven is from Rogue One, which I love. Whoa. It, it is, um, it's a really weird spot, but it's, it's basically towards the end when Jen and Cassian obtain the, the, uh, schematics they go to the top of that tower um and they transmit them to the rebel like command ship um <laughs> that's pretty much it but when you if you like youtube it and just watch that scene it's kind of like cool but if you watch the movie all the way through which we watched it i don't know maybe like two months ago and you are like invested in the movie that scene is just like so um gripping and like you're just on the edge of your seat and i don't know i completely buy in and i'm just you know is she gonna make it or not obviously you know what happens it's a prequel but it's super awesome and it's just kind of like you know the whole hope thing which happens a few minutes later or whatever but it's it's like they show the hope actually going there as opposed to just they don't ever say the word or anything in that scene so i just love that scene so that's my number seven. I'll agree with that. That's that mentioned. Scene. Yeah. Can we all agree that Rogue One's the best of all of the 10, 11? I don't movies? know if I'll go that far, but it is definitely up there. So we actually just watched it again. Um, I can't remember yesterday or today. And um, Josh, you're right. That scene is just so uh, powerful. Really, the whole last, whatever you would say, 30 minutes of the movie is just one long push. Um, oh very, gosh. very solid stuff. All right, Joe. How great is it that the previews for that movie were just a complete swerve? I mean, they made you think that the movie was going to end in another way. There were fake scenes, there were deleted scenes in the preview, and they were just like, you know, screw that. We're going to do this. And, you know, spoilers, not going to spoil it, but oh my gosh. Yeah, we didn't say up top, but this is obviously uh, full of spoilers, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joe, what's number seven? I feel weird. He was dead me. the whole time. So my number seven is in Force Awakens, uh, my second one from Force Awakens. Um, <clears throat> it's when Ray first summons the lightsaber. I would guess that that's on either a lot of people's yes. or honorable mentions. Um, Kylo's trying to get it, starts wiggling, and he has to do, weirdly, a Matrix kind of pose. 
because it goes <laughs> behind him, and uh, it all Ray makes sense. It. She kind of her Ray's, or I should say, Daisy Ridley's acting is phenomenal in these movies, and she her the look on her face when she gets that is both somehow it's both yes this is right this is what I knew all along and also like holy crap I can't believe this is actually happening it's she's just so good as that character um and it's such a good it's such a good um scene you know there's this quote that I love I should have had it pulled up um by George Miller the guy that does the Mad Max movies and he loves uh storytelling by uh action and so that I don't I can't think of a better scene to kind of exemplify that quote um there's no there's no dialogue there's no um nothing but you get an idea of both of those characters and where they're at in the story based on just that you know 45 seconds or so that's my number seven and you brought up what a good actress daisy ridley is whoever did the casting of her and of uh kylo ren just the chemistry they have together they deserve a million dollar check just put into their hand now because they're phenomenal when they're on screen i'm plugged in 10 out of 10 every time they have a scene together I'm thinking that they did get a million dollars stream, so. <laughs> I hope so. Somebody did somewhere. Joe, that, that scene was actually my number 13 when I was making my longer list. Um, yeah, I love that scene, too. All right, so my number seven is the it's from episode three, um, and I'm watching episode three right now. I have, I have a lot of love for episode three. And it, and it comes back to what Nick said earlier about the Yoda thing about like, okay, we're finally getting to see something that we heard about um, and we knew was coming. And, and anyways, this was the cut scenes between Padme and the Senate and Vader just slaughtering every single one of the Separatist leaders. And I just love that back and forth between She's in the Senate seeing everything that she worked for and cared about, like falling apart. You know, she has that great line about how democracy ends to thunderous applause. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts back to him just going from room to room, slicing these these people apart. And, you know, these were characters that were a part of, you know, episode one and two and, you know, and even parts of three. And they're just gone just one room after another he's just has gone completely full vader um you know well i I would say he probably did that when he was like slicing up little kid jedis which was also awesome uh yeah (laughs) yeah uh but yeah i love that back and forth between her scene and his scene i just think it was shot beautifully and it just was like okay this is what we knew was going to happen. Like the Senate's going to fall. We know the bad guys are going to win. And I think that's part of why I love episode three so much. Cause I just really like the bad guys and I love it when they win. Uh, so that, that was my number seven. So I'm going to jump. I feel like... Sorry. Go ahead, Josh. So that's my number two. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, I don't care to talk about it now. Cause you pretty much said it all Bill. <laughs> but yeah, the, the line that she has, so this is how liberty dies. With thunderous applause. And that's just such a like 
timeless like that's how a lot of you know different um civilizations have fallen and everything and even kind of mirrors what's going on now and it's just such a cool moment and i love padme and so i just love that scene so that's my number two so i i forego any conversation to bill because you did a great job what were you gonna say (laughs) i was gonna say i feel like episode three is where george lucas kind of got his mojo back i have a blast when i watch episode three the writing's a lot better the action's amazing the turns are so good and there's one scene in particular I had as an honorable, so I don't want to mention it because I'm expecting somebody to have it here. But man, um, I'll just say the climax of that movie that's also right now is incredible. Yep, that that might be my next one, James. <laughs> I really need that, to go back and watch two and three. Yeah, I always just skip one because, like you said, if you start with one, you kind of lose interest and give up. But there's a lot of good stuff in two and three, so. Yeah, since right. James already brought it up, Machete Order leaves out episode one anyway. But it just does it just add on the the Darth Maul fight scene, and that's it. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> just All watch right. this scene. James, what's your number seven? Oh, we're on Nick right now, right? Yeah, oh, Nick. Sorry. Yeah. Keep, uh, hey, you know, I see how you can get me, me and James mixed up. We're just uh, both these hot yeah. dripping pieces of meat so <laughs> um so number seven um and this is a little bit of a uh, a step away from most of my other choices but it's the when han fr- gets frozen in carbonite scene in mm. empire strikes back just the uh, man he, he's such a central character and you don't expect anything bad to happen to him i mean will not mention later movies, but just, you don't know. I mean, he's going into to carbonite freezing. You don't know what that means. They've never tried it out before. You don't know if he's going to survive. You've had this buildup between Luke or Luke and Han. Wow. Um, oh, between yeah. Leia and Han this entire time. It's, it's bas- basically a cheers moment of like, will they, won't they? And, Leia says, I love you, and Han says, I know, and you're not even like, oh, dude, you're a dick for not saying it back. You're like, yes, yes, that is you saying that. I love you. I know. And then they drop him into the pit, and he comes out as this block. Oh, my gosh. It's just, it guts you on an emotional level. Chewie screams out in pain. C-3PO see what's going on so he's just oblivious but everyone else is just destroyed in that moment and Darth Vader is so callous that if he lives great if he dies I'll still pay you what I owe you to Boba Fett oh my gosh such an emotional scene in what you would expect to be just a fun action packed sci-fi movie it's uh, oh my gosh i love it so much and can i ask you a question yes when you said uh luke and han was that was that you accidentally revealing some fan fiction that you're working on that was fan casting yes yes i love it absolutely 
<laughs> I want to talk for a second about how much mileage the Star Wars movies get out of Chewbacca's pain, right? <laughs> In episode five, he, Nick it. just proud. He has that great scream when Han gets frozen. In episode seven, he has that great screen when Han gets killed. And in episode nine, he has that great whale moment when Leia dies. Yeah, Chewbacca crying out in pain. Always good. Always good. That does, and I won't get into it here because this is not the time of the place. But most of you know that I have a, a a film theory on killing off animals versus killing off humans, and yeah. I think this works perfectly into that because if you had a human expressing that pain, yeah, okay, yeah, we get that you're sad, but Chewbacca is this. I mean, yeah, he'll rip your arms off, but he's this cute furry creature. And he is just wrecked. And you're like, you made Chewbacca cry. You have to die. I hate you. And, and there is that <laughs> thing where we all feel better if we kick the dog, right? Right? No. No. Bill, just no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Who here has ever thrown a giant rock at a dog's abdomen? Who? <laughs> Nobody. Oh my Thanks. gosh, I'm I'm holding back tears right now, guys. So can can I add in Just something kidding. with my with my number seven that I mentioned about the Padme Vader scene? Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's playing right now, and I and I can't believe I did not realize this, but this scene is also intercut with Yoda and Obi Wan jacking up a ton of clone troopers, which is awesome. Where Yoda does like the lightsaber throw. And impales a clone trooper, and yes. that's when Obi Wan also like sees a security tape. So I, I always just considered it like a Vader Padme scene, but it's also intercut with Obi Wan and Yoda, which their scenes are also amazing. Sorry, interrupting. There you go. No, that's perfect. And I and I actually don't hit dogs. So I just want to say that for the world. So James does throw rocks at their abdomens, though. It's, he's really good at it. <laughs> Why, James? Yeah, Why? You me, man. You tell us. Because I knew it would hurt you, Nick. Because I knew it would hurt you. <laughs> All right, James. What's your number seven? Well, actually, my number seven is the exact same as Joe's number seven. It's the lightsaber flying to Ray. So, nice. yeah, the movie, I think, did a really great job of, like, building to that moment, you know? It's just when Kylo's shaking, you just see the lightsaber shaking, and then it flies out his head. He has to duck out of the way, and Ray grabs it. That really is, for me, this big, like, oh, crap, It's something's about to get real. And I know it takes some criticism, people saying that the fight was too close since Ray essentially doesn't really know what she's doing. I think people forget that Kylo had just gotten shot in the abs. And it's not like he doesn't remind you. He keeps on, like, hitting his abdomen to try to get the feeling back in it when he's fighting Finn and when he's fighting Ray. Yeah, he's I, selling. Yeah, he, he's selling the shot. <laughs> he's not undertakering this. So, <laughs> well, love it. I mean, he, I mean, he didn't reap any souls at all, which is, you know, <laughs> None totally whatsoever. would have been awesome. He did do that I'll thing where he raised his arms in the air that the sun came out. That was weird. <laughs> I'll say that any any kind of hate on 
Ray's power in the the three movies kind of gets on my nerves because um, realistically, if the if the force, as James called it, the force magic was real, <laughs> um, I, I assume it would be similar to anything else uh, where they're not all going to be the same level, right? So Ray, obviously, with a Spoiler, she can do the, um, you know, the force lightning and everything else and, and all kinds of other force abilities that nobody else can do, or at least to the level she can do them. She's extremely powerful and she's a trained fighter, which we see early in Force Awakens. So it's really not that far fetched that she would be um, at his, at least on his level, uh, if not maybe, you know, a little below it, in my opinion. Can I can I make a weird comparison about that? So I, I think I think a lot of people who got all crappy about Ray being powerful were had the similar mindset of people in Cincinnati who were getting pissed off when the Western Southern building was being built because it would be the tallest building in Cincinnati. Did you guys know about this at all? Like people in Cincinnati were no. mad that the Western Southern yeah, there were there were people in Cincinnati who were mad that the Western Southern building was going to be the tallest building in Cincinnati because the crew tower had been the tallest building in Cincinnati for however long it had been built. So I think the people who were mad that Ray was super powerful were mad because they're like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. She's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be Yoda all the time and only him and 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 no one else ever. Like he's supposed to be the tallest building. Like they just couldn't handle that there was something new and you can open up the can of worms and like God forbid it be a woman who has power to it. You know, power to them as well. So I think that was like I don't know, weird comparison, I don't know, but that's the way I see it. It's like, well, wait, no wait, is if it's not the originals then I don't want it. You know, it can only be Yoda all the time. Yeah. Bill, that reference is and not going to land with the fans in Dubai. <laughs> yeah. I think that that uh, kind of rings true for all of the, the new movies. And, it, and it's really noticeable for somebody, uh, again, who had not seen the old ones growing up. So I have zero right. emotional attachment to them. Um, so you're almost watching these, not completely from a clinical standpoint, but definitely no nostalgia to them. Right. Um, and yeah, so... It, it doesn't have to be Ray. It could be anything about the new ones when people are, I mean, not that they're perfect. They're not, but right. Um, they also can, can do their own thing without being beholden to the old ones. Well, and oh. you can still go home and watch the old ones. Like it's not like JJ Abrams is confiscating everyone's copies and smashing them. So you can only watch right. the new ones. It's yeah. the only Star Wars now. <laughs> And I, yeah. I will say that The Force Awakens gets a lot of crap for the fan service that it has in it, and this is totally a callback to the scene of Luke hanging from the ice on Hoth. But, I mean, this also sets up Rey as being more powerful than Luke because Luke was just pulling for his lightsaber or lightsaber by himself hanging from the ceiling. Rey was competing with Kylo in this moment for this lightsaber, and it went to her. So I think that, yes, it's a callback moment, but it just says, hey, this chick is more than Luke. Cool. Which I think is cool because it raises the stakes. You know, it's honestly, it's a later movie. You want the stakes to be higher. You can't 
go less than what you've already done because then it's storytelling wise it's not going to seem as cool you want to finish with the climax not bury it in the middle so my number six is the end of revenge of the sith episode three um obi-wan versus anakin you were the chosen one it was said that you would destroy the sith not join them Bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness. I had you. You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. So, I love Obi Wan, and this um, watching the prequels. You know, the last couple of years, I really freaking started to hate Anakin. Which is weird because in the old ones, I love Darth Vader, but, you know, whatever. He's got a mask on, so it's different. And this is just Obi-Wan finally letting it all out and letting Anakin have it, and it's great. So, does a little bit of, like, retrofitting as to why he's you know, doesn't have the bottom half of his body and everything, but I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for it, so that's my number six. That Anybody was else? my twelve, okay. and um, yeah, <laughs> when it was my honorable mention. Yeah, that was my second honorable mention. When mm-hmm. Obi Wan screams, "You were supposed to be the chosen one. You you yeah. were supposed to end the Sith, not join them." Ah, oh, it's just gut wrenching, man. It's so good, <laughs> especially when he's been so. so like, sorry, especially when he's been so level headed um, throughout all the other movies. And for him to have that much emotion to where he's screaming, yeah, it's a great scene. <clears throat> yeah, and I was just going to say, we are so lucky that we got Ewan McGregor for that role. Because if that was, if the roles were reversed, um, something tells me that Hayden couldn't pull off that that pathos that, that Ewan can. When he mm-hmm. screams, you are the chosen one. And he says, you know, I, you, we were... Um, we were like brothers. I loved you. Like, just so good. And I mean, it could have been, could have turned so bad. It almost saves the the entire prequels to cap it off. You know, you start off with the awfulness of um, Phantom Menace. Yeah, the pods and all that nonsense. The little kid who's terrible. But you <laughs> end with you and McGregor, and even Anakin. I still feel like he. I feel like. Hayden Christensen's awful in that scene. Uh, sadly, that's just me. But it's almost like understandable because he's essentially dying. So <laughs> nobody knows what you will act like when you you die when you're <laughs> so, <laughs> when your lot. limbs have been chopped off and you're burning exactly. in front of a volcano. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Joseph. What's your number six? Okay. So again, sorry, I didn't do my research. Um, what number is this? But it's when Yoda's training um, Luke on Dagobah. And I know we kind of already mentioned this scene a little bit. Five, yeah. Um, five. So what I specifically love is kind of Yoda's... You're, you're getting introduced to this essentially Zen Buddhist. Um, and I know that's probably talked about ad nauseum all over the internet. Uh, the Buddhist... Uh, whatever you call it, of of Yoda. But I just really love it. And I love specifically when he tells him, 
Um, you know, we use the force uh, for knowledge of defense, never attack. And so you can kind of use that quote to look at most Jedi scenes. Um, and whenever they're attacking first, they're either, you know, obviously Sith or ba bad people, or they're, they're struggling, you know, when Anakin does it, when, when Kylo does it, they're struggling to that, that pull to the dark. Um, not to mention, I, I'm a huge fan of karate and that's kind of their thing too, is it's all defense and never attack. Um, so yeah, that's my number six. Cool. All right, so my one. <clears throat> my number six is the the arena scene in episode two. Um, I forget whose list that showed up on already. Mine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. So that scene is a combination of the. This is what we've what we've heard about. Like this is the Clone Wars that. Uh, Leia talked about in that hologram message in episode four. This is it. We're finally getting to see it. Um, seeing all the Jedi. I mean, so so all this time period we've heard of the Jedi, you know, used to be powerful. There used to be many of them. Now there's only a few. Well, now this is where we finally get to see the Jedi at their full power. Um, there's this awesome mix of alien races in the Jedi, which are awesome. So that ties into my love of the aliens. And then on top of that, you have this giant crab creature that's trying to kill everything in the middle of it. And this giant porcupine, uh, tiger thing and this giant bowl that's just running through. So it has this combination of awesome battle scene we're finally seeing the Clone Wars breaking loose, and in the middle of it, there's some really awesome aliens and monsters that are just tearing into each other at the same time. You know, when Obi-Wan slices off the legs off the Ackley, the crab creature, uh, that's super cool. Um, so I, I love everything about that scene. So that that's my number six. So my number six, this is a um, kind of a nostalgic reason for this one. Um, this goes back to me watching this for the first time on uh, TV, which at the time, who knows what grainy network channel it was, but we didn't have cable. So it was um, the scene where Han rescues Luke on uh, Hoth and slices open the Tauntaun um, in Empire Strikes Back. It's, it's just a – oh my gosh. It was just a scene from the times. That back then, you you just if you were gonna show this gory scene, wasn't gonna be blood and guts unless you're watching a horror movie. So what do you do? You make it look like really big wet rice. Oh, it was that's what it was. But to a kid, however old I was, like six, seven, whatever, I don't know. It was just like oh. Oh, yuck, that's what it looks like inside? And so from that point forward, until I had some proper science classes, I thought the insides of animals looked like massive wet rice or these huge maggots. And it was so gross to me at, the, at that time. But it stuck with me. It stuck. And when you see a scene that just ingrains itself in your memory, and anytime you think back to... A movie and that scene comes up and just the line of oh and I thought they smelt bad on the outside 
Come on, man. That's hilarious. It's hilarious, and it's heartwarming because he's saving his friend's life. And, yeah, it's sad because the animal died, and that kind of gutted me as a kid, too. Gutted me not like the Tauntaun. Ah, but, but, um, ha-ha. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just, like, thinking back to when I first saw Star Wars, that is the scene that hits me. Like, he cut open the Tauntaun with a lightsaber, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I think is the only time Han has ever used a lightsaber in, lightsaber in the movies. Yeah. Was to cut open a dead dead animal. And oh that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then up until I mean, and you can argue whether or not Poe is I'm sorry, Finn is force sensitive or not. I mean, in episode nine, they definitely started hinting at that he had powers as well. So you can argue that back and forth, but you know, if you say that Poe is I'm sorry, Finn is force sensitive, then Han is the only non-force using person who has ignited a lightsaber i think and that's that yeah, we i think know. so yeah yeah i mean, I mean I, i'm i'm foggy they never come out right and say han is not force sensitive himself you could make arguments there but true he is a good I pilot mean, exactly <laughs> that's the only qualification that you need to be a good pilot <clears throat> okay so my that's what six. got Darth Vader where he was <laughs> there you go. Chapa How come like Vader's flying in episode four when he's chasing down Luke? He doesn't say, Now this is pod racing. <laughs> I actually honestly would have loved that. <laughs> I mean, they went back and edited scenes in to Return of the Jedi. They should have just edited that in too. <laughs> Could you imagine what the internet would do if it when these came out on Disney Plus? I'm sure they'd have a calm, even-killed reaction like they always do. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing! Neckbeards everywhere would just cry out at once and we're fall silent. <laughs> you you get it? Get it? Childhood. <laughs> All right, James. What was your number six? Number six is episode seven. Chewy, we're home. That's it. <laughs> So this oh is when, gosh. right, Han and Chewbacca step, and essentially, like, I'd seen this in the preview, like, that line, but I didn't know the movies well enough to recognize, okay, that's the Millennium Falcon that they're on right there, right? So even watching this in theaters, like, you know, I know, okay, Millennium Falcon, that's, like, the ship, and that's Han's ship, man. So when they step on that ship and they say, Chewie, we're home, I remember getting, like, this very warm, like, fuzzy feeling watching that in the theater just thinking like yes we are i'm in a very safe place right now this is so good <laughs> this is great we are back to a nice familiar place i'm liking all of it and there's this amazing video if you look it up on youtube um just look up chewy we're home live audience and it's a video of them revealing the episode seven trailer for the first time at star wars celebration right mm -hmm. so when it closes it closes with the line chewy we're home and so han says chewy and it sounds just like the old han voice and then they flash to no this is current han's got gray hair chewy looks a little older and he says we're home people are just like screaming losing their mind cheering like crazy 
so badly i would have thought to go to a midnight showing of episode seven but man it, it's a great video and how the fans reacted there i think is how a lot of us felt watching that scene like oh this is so good this is exactly what fan service should be just bringing up that moment i will not lie made my left eye just a bit moist and yes steph i did say that for you <laughs> Nick, you know Steph's not going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, never has, never will. <laughs> so we were talking, uh, this is going a bit long, so we're going to split it in two, right? Yeah. So, all right, that's 10 through 6. Next episode will be 5 through 1, guys. So far, we've only had three repeats out of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 25 moments. There have only been three repeats. That's amazing. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, I'll see you guys next Friday when we all record in a week, right? Right. In, in one <laughs> calendar week. Charge our quotes. This is where right, the sponsor uh, advertisement comes in, right? Yep. Here's the uh, Trojan condoms uh, ad we've got coming at you. Dunkin' condoms. Thanks for joining us. Let's see you next Bye. 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 Bye.